Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Modern Retail Podcast. I'm Kale Guthrie Weissman, the editor in chief here at Modern Retail. This week, I'm really excited. We have Payman Raff. He's the co founder and CEO of Mad Happy, which is an apparel and lifestyle brand. And their focus is on optimism, which who doesn't like optimism? And as a curmudgeonly cynical journalist, hopefully some of that will come off on me. Who knows? I really want to get into Mad Happy, is a really interesting brand. It's been around for a while, it's had some really cool collabs over the last years. I'm pretty sure you just announced a fun one with Uggs just pretty recently, but you've been with Lululemon, Katz's Deli I saw in my, in my <laughs> research. Like You've been all over the place, but I want to talk about that. I want to talk about just sort of how you've grown the brand. And then I know that you've done some interesting things on the marketing side with like, you have a magazine. And I, as someone in media, I always like to talk with why brands are entering the awful business that is magazines. <laughs> but I'm sure, I'm sure you have, you have your reasons, but Payman, how are you doing? Thanks for joining. I'm doing well, Kale. Thank you for having me and love the show. So excited to be here. Ah, thank you so much. So first, let's let's start with you. It was you, your brother, and a couple of other co-founders, right, who started Mad Happy? It was, it was. Yeah, I could start quickly going back. So uh, we were talking before the show, but my family's originally from Iran. So uh, Persian background, actually was born in Italy, which is where my parents moved after the revolution uh, in Iran. And then we moved to LA when I was pretty young, six, and my brother Noah, who's one of my partners, four. So really grew up in LA. Uh, and happy to get into whatever you think next. What was your professional background that led you to starting Mad Happy? Yeah, good question. I think for for myself, fashion was never in the cards per se. Uh, my brother was quite the opposite. Him and Mason, who are two of my partners, had started a brand together in high school, just like on the fly. You know, you can go to downtown LA, pretty much make anything you want. And uh, they saw the ups and downs of that, the challenging business aspects of it. And a couple of years later, late 2016, Mason was sort of going through this tough time in his life where he wasn't sure what he was going to do. And he had dealt with a lot of mental health challenges growing up. And he had thought of this name, Mad Happy, and sort of this low moment for him of like, wow, like this power behind the word and, and the optimism that that we felt from saying that word. And it was like, you know, you can be an optimist despite all the hard things that happen in our life. And that name really stuck with both of them. And they were definitely much more the creative kids at the time. And so we decided to come together and start the brand together with me more focused on some of the business aspects. Uh, my background was I went to the University of Michigan, uh, went to the business school undergrad and didn't really know what I wanted to do. Uh, got into banking after college. But the idea for me was I always knew I wanted to start something, but I guess just waiting for the right time and opportunity and sort of Mad Happy started as a small side project that eventually grew into this bigger thing that we ended up all doing full time. And of course, we're still doing today. When it originally started, was it just one product? Because you guys are pretty known for your hoodies. Was it that you launched a hoodie and you saw how it went? Really how it started was, yeah, just a few products, like a hoodie, a tee and a hat. So really just like three products and we tried to do them in our own unique way. I think the name was really a gateway for like what the product and brand was, because I think it spoke to a lot of people. There's like a lot of inherent meaning in that, even if people have different interpretations of what the what the name means. And then, yeah, just a couple of products pretty early on. And that was 2017? Yeah, early 2017. So we launched like end of March of 2017. And like... I feel like there are two different tracks you can take. Not There are many different tracks, but there are two in my mind right now. As an apparel brand, when you launch, there's like the DTC track of like, we'll get a brand, we'll go on Amazon, or not Amazon, we'll go on Instagram, we'll get our name known. But then you mentioned that your brother and his friend 
like you sort of did an LA track or he did an LA track where I imagine that's where you, you do sort of a community thing. Maybe you have like a pop-up store or something like that. Like how did you do go about it in 2017? Was it more of a, the national thing or was it very LA based? Yeah, for sure. I think it was like everything that was sort of the opposite of what you would consider traditional direct to consumer, especially at that time, which would have been raising money before you launch, paying a, a company to do a brand book and guide and all this stuff for you. And then come out with this like huge bang and be, running Instagram ads from day one. I think for us, it was like a couple products, very like locally focused in LA uh, at a time where everyone was like, retail's dead, we'll never open up retail stores. We did a pop-up two weeks after we launched and really grew the brand in much more of a grassroots way. Again, just really what we knew and what felt natural to us to try to build something. Uh, especially in the in the small nature in which it started. I feel like at least in the stories that I've read, you, you had a lot of people repping the brand in the early days. Can you just walk me and, you know, the listeners through just sort of that growth, how that happened, whose eyeballs you got in front, like all that? Yeah, I, I think we've been fortunate in that we we have this inherent meaning in the brand around optimism and, and mental health at a, in a bigger way. And I think for the time, especially when we launched 2017, even, you know, n- now people say like, everyone's always talking about mental health and all these sorts of things. But there wasn't really a brand that was doing it at the time. So it was sort of early in a way. And I think the name really spoke to people. So we, we were super lucky that people wanted to represent the brand, both in terms of in our community, as well as like celebrities of, you know, LeBron James or Jay-Z, you know, people that we grew up, of course, like idolizing in many ways and, and really respecting their, you know, their craft. And I think we've been lucky to continue to see that support as we've continued to grow. How were you able to get that message across so early? I mean, we'll t- I, we can talk about the magazine soon and things like that, where you're doing very intentional brand messaging. But when you have you know, a, a hoodie, a tee and a t-shirt and it says mad happy. What next to be like, this is what we're about. Yeah. Great question. I think, I think there's like this essence and feeling with the brand and we tried to do a lot of stuff in person, whether it was in those pop-ups or the events around those pop-ups early on that really made you feel the brand. And I think, you know, a lot of people at the time were like, well, why would you do that when you can just run Instagram ads? And I think for us, it was like people, two, three, 400 people being in a space for a launch party all of them sharing it on social media, you know, that's much bigger than a local event. And I think those things early on started the small like ripple effects that eventually grew into a much bigger brand. And so when and how did the the collaboration start? Yeah, so our first collaboration is really what started it all. And we we always admired the store Colette in Paris, if you're familiar. And we had heard that, you know, they're closing at the end of 2017. And so through a mutual friend, we had a small connection to Sarah Andelman, who had been running it with her mom for 20 years. And we pitched this idea of like a hoodie that we could do with them as sort of one of their last collaborations before they closed. And we sent her the designs and she really liked it. And so we produced a small batch and sent it to her and it sold like super well, like really fast. She asked for more of them. Thankfully, we had already made more, so we sent her more, and then they're all wearing it on the last day of the store. So if you look at all the articles, it's like her wearing our hoodie, which is pretty crazy for like a seven, eight-month-old brand to kind of get that recognition early on. And we were like, wow, you know, partnerships are so unique and valuable if you do them the right way, and it set this high bar for us to want to achieve and do better than that and keep keep improving as as we got bigger. So that's really where it started. 
how were you able to sort of get get that? Was that just you had a mutual friend and one thing led to another? Or I always wonder how you're able to like try and organize, you know, make something like that. Yeah, it's a great question because I think one of the things we've been good at is like kind of being resourceful and figuring it out along the way. You know, we we were a tiny team, three, four of us that started the brand early on for the first few years. We didn't really have any other employees, but we just worked like hard at whatever angles we had, you know? And so whether we knew someone or we would send them product or, you know, engage with them in different ways, and then things would lead to another and and we'd, you know, have an opportunity to partner. Do you see these collaborations and partnerships as more brand building or revenue building, revenue driving or both? Like I, a lot of them, I get the sense that they're limited edition, they're more droppy, um, but they also get a ton of press. Like if I do a Google search for Mad Happy, I see all of the Mad Happy X, Lululemon, Mad Happy X, that. And so how, how does that work in terms of the, the business dynamics? Great question. I think for us, like it, it, it depends and things grow over time, right? So I think limited is, uh, is relative to the size of the brand. And, and so as we've grown, of course, it's become a piece of our business. But, you know, I think we always try to keep the right balance between our core assortment, our core products and new products we're launching, as well as collaborations and really have them all mesh together and speak well and show up well together. Mm -hmm. And so talk me through the overall assortment now and over the years. So you launched in 2017 with those three products. How... Like, wh- how did you expand upon that? Have any other things become core? What what has that trajectory been like? For us, the idea was always creating a world of Mad Happy. And that started in this like small way, like you said, with those three products. But beyond that, I think the the feeling of what is a Mad Happy product is quite broad. And so we've tried to do a good job of like growing that base over time. And of course, we have this core assortment of fleece, whether the hoodies, crewnecks, uh, hats, you know, some some of the core accessory stuff, but then we've grown across knitwear. So whether it's cashmere or or knitted sweaters or outerwear, like our cozy puffers, or you know, so so the kind of scope has grown a bit. And I think for us, it's always like the balance of not too much product and every product having a reason to exist in this like world of mad happy, right? So like we don't come out with products with with no branding or blanks or stuff like that, right? Because I think for us, it's like why is Mad Happy making this product, you know? And like, that's what we try to think about. And so it's quite, it allows us to do more and test more and have fun trying certain products and then figuring out which pieces we want to keep in, what doesn't make as much sense, and we learn and we continue to go. What does it have to be in order to fit within the Mad Happy rubric if you're able to sort of do these weird tests? Like, do you have a list of you know, it needs to be this type of apparel or like, you know, what, what, what makes it something work? Yeah, I think with, with my brother and Mason who are more focused on the design side as well as the design side, that team that we've built here, I don't think we give it too much of a rubric, right? Like I think it's very hard to give designers too tight of a wheelhouse, but I think it's a kind of a feeling thing, right? So it's like, if you're wearing that brown sweater, like if we were to do that, we would want people to know like it's mad happy in some way. So is there a label somewhere that makes it clear or is it in the color, right? Or is it in the texture? So I think you could get quite creative on how you do it, but I think for us it's important and we've learned like, oh, okay, this feels more right for us versus, you know, if another brand was releasing that same product. Got it. Got it. Do you have a target for how many partnerships or collabs you do a year or like size? Like given that it seems like 
you do all different types of companies and brands and organizations you work with. How do you decide how many to do so that you don't overextend yourself? Yeah, not overextending is like something super important and something that we're continuing to work on. You know, I think focus is a very hard thing, especially for us, a company that's only six, six and a half years old. And so we've tried to continue to get better at like, okay, what are the different areas that we want to definitely work with partners on, right? Categories that we're not necessarily producing or interesting moments of the year that we could do fun things, but also not try to make it where, you know, we have so many obligations, so many things that we're doing that it becomes too much and each one isn't getting the energy it needs. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. I wanted to zoom back and talk a little bit about just overall marketing and getting the word out. It seems like you guys you know, we're very lucky with some of the the early evangelists you had, but how has the marketing strategy grown? Has it been mostly organic or what have you been thinking about in terms of get, getting more people to know the Mad Happy brand? Yeah, I think it it's all sort of a byproduct of how we launch, which is with no capital. And so when you launch with very little capital, <laughs> you know, you have to do things much more the organic sort of grassroots way, which we did early on. And even a few years later, as we were growing and decided to raise a small round, you know, we we still wanted it to be less focused on like venture investors, more focused on long term uh, partners that we aligned with that made sense for us, because like the way we wanted to grow was always in this like more organic way. Right. And so thus far in the history of our company, you know, even as we've gotten great partners on board, like LVMH, who is a part of that round, as well as other great founders and, and brand builders that we really wanted to learn from, like we've stayed pretty disciplined in terms of being primarily focused on using everything that we're doing, whether it's our seasonal retail stores, our collaborations, our campaigns to sort of do the marketing for us instead of relying on Facebook ads and some of the more inorganic stuff that usually brands are doing much earlier, uh, as well as wholesale and those pieces as well that we've kept quite limited so far. And it doesn't mean that we can't do those things in the future, but I think we've tried to figure out the right times where things make sense and flow them in in a small way over time. Got it. Yeah, I wanted to ask about the LVMH thing, um, which congrats, that's a, a great early investor to have. So what kind of interactions do you have with them? Have they been able to open the doors to you for things that wouldn't have been there before? Or sort of what's the interaction you have with such a huge company? Yeah, I think all you can ask for uh, in in any partner you have is that they're there for you, you know, when you need them, whether it's for uh, support or questions or advice or introductions. And of course, having such a prestigious uh institution that thinks in such a long-term way is is such a benefit and has been for us because we were you know it's our first company you know I'm 29 I was 22 when we started the company you know I we we're just building a brand for the very first time and so we're going through a lot of the ups and the downs and the journey of it and so having sort of a stabilizing force that can support and help guide us when we need them has been amazing got it you mentioned you have limited wholesale what wholesale do you have we actually just uh, launched uh, in the Japanese market, so with Dover Street uh, in Ginza. So that's our first uh, first market there. We're really excited about the Japanese market, and we're going to be doing much more there uh, in in the coming year. And then we've done small launches with Essence as well, uh, and we're working with a couple other retailers that will launch more in the shop and shop format early next year. So uh, that's sort of what's coming up. 
I, I saw the Japan thing and it kind of it, it makes a lot of sense if you're going into a new market trying to to get a stronghold via, you know, wholesale over there. But how have has have you ever thought that wholesale will ever be a major part? Like you have these few things with essence that are do you ever want to be in, you know, many, many doors, or do you think it's better to avoid that and use it in just specific circumstances? I'd say like we we definitely never say never. Uh, I think in the U.S. or at least in North America, we feel quite confident with like our own footprint. So whether that be our seasonal stores, our e-com, our flagships that we'll be building. Uh, so I don't think that this market would ever be majority wholesale or even wholesale in a big way. But I do think we're open in the other areas to enter the market and to build great businesses with partners. Uh, we're We're quite open to that. Got it. I wanted to ask about the stores because you have you've done a lot of pop ups over the years. I saw in July you're opening up a flagship in L.A., right? Yeah, we are. So, you know, we've done 20 something something seasonal stores all across the U.S. And I think we got really good at that. Right. Which is opening a store for anywhere from like three to nine months long. And of course, they each take a lot of work. And I think we we always wanted more than just what maybe some others would imagine a pop up is. So they all felt really kind of permanent in feel and nature when you're in there and really each one was sort of this unique experience and so for us being based here in LA was really important for us as we thought about a permanent store to do the first one here so super excited and uh, we're getting pretty close to that opening up yeah I wanted to ask what's the timeline because I saw in a July article it was going to be this year but now is it going to be next year no no uh, so it, it is going to be this year uh, so I don't know when this is going to air but it's going to be opening uh, November 18th so next Saturday uh, so definitely def- wow. yeah definitely coming up and quite a quite a feat for us just because it's like a, our first permanent store it's taken so long we've learned a lot we've made many mistakes but we're really excited for it wow that's I imagine when you have a permanent store opening you get very stressed out eight days before yeah you know I think like for us since we've opened so many stores like we're pretty used to like this feeling of like oh shit like the store's opening in a week you know because uh, we've had that feeling like 25 times but yeah. uh but it is different, you know, it being permanent and has a lot of elements that are new for the brand. So we're, we're quite excited. With, with the pop-ups, now that you've had, you know, two dozen under your belt, do you have a so-called formula? Is there a certain threshold of what you need to happen? Do the stores, like, for example, I talked with a lot of founders and they say a pop-up is only good if the stores themselves are profitable. Others say as long as it's brand building, it's okay. How, what, are, what are your thoughts in terms of what's a su- successful pop-up and what you might replicate? Yeah, I think I think for us we're always trying to grow the brand in terms of awareness, but I think a piece of that is also in the sales and the profitability of these stores. So we've always taken a much more sort of long view, conservative view and do things that not only build the brand, but also generate enough revenue to make sense financially. And so for us we've always approached it that way and for the most part we'll always approach it that way. Is the permanent store going to differ greatly in set up in the layout from the pop-ups or what what should we expect from that yeah since this will probably come out uh after the, it'll, it'll be a little bit after yeah, like a week i think yeah so if this is after then then i can share so we're actually launching uh a new cafe concept uh in 
in the flagship uh, called The Pantry. So we have this courtyard in our space, uh, which is 8906 Melrose, Melrose and Robertson area. Cool, really cool block, really great area for us for the first store. But the concept with The Pantry is bringing together all these great LA food establishments, as well as some international partners and and having a great coffee, matcha offering, as well as uh, bagels with Courage Bagels, Juice the Pastries, John and Vinny's Pastries, uh, Beverly Hills Juice. So a lot of really cool partners involved there. And we're really excited to have that as an element. We also have this amazing conversation pit, uh, which is sort of set up, not, not necessarily for shopping, but for hanging out, for conversation, those sorts of things, as well as this like experience room where you go in and you wear headphones, you watch this like video audio experience that uh, we think is quite unique and all of that plus shopping, plus events that'll happen in the store. So really like 360 like brand experience for us and really excited about getting that open. How many square feet is this? Because that sounds like a lot of different bespoke yeah, spaces. It's like around 2,400 square feet. And then the courtyard has kind of its own space. So it's pretty cool. You should definitely come by when you're here next. Next time, I, next time I'm in LA, I absolutely will. And you, you mentioned Courage Bagels. And correct me if I'm wrong, you guys have done a, a, a collab with them, haven't you? Yeah, we, we've done a partnership with them that, that, that was super great. And we've loved having them, of course, here in LA. And the way that they've grown has been amazing. And so you know, anything we could do to support. And I think really excited to have them as a part of what we're doing here in our store as well. Do all of the partners who are in the store, are you, should we expect to see some type of other like merch partnership with them or no? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think we always like to do what we do best. So definitely some, some, some product with, uh, anyone that we're partnering with in a bigger way. I wanted to switch gears and go back to the to the marketing stuff. I know that you you have this the the magazine. It's called Local Optimist, right? Yes. Can you give us a little bit of background for for the listeners to about exactly what that is, how it works? Yeah, I mean, I think this concept and name and Local Optimist we've had since the early days of the brand. Chuck, who's one of our earliest designers, who's still here with us today, had thought of this name as sort of like you know. If we're all optimists in our own community, then maybe, you know, we can make a big impact in the world by just like the actions we take every day. And so that concept has been around with the brand for a long time. And earlier this year, we decided to launch a print magazine called The Local Optimist, sort of two, three issue a year type magazine that allows us to tell great human stories. And at the end of the day, we think great human stories, whether they're artists, musicians, everyday people, uh, people that live in the US, people that live all over the world. We we thought that telling these human stories would tell this like broader optimism story, this broader mental health story of, you know, life stories, cool experiences, and then hopefully give people a cool, tangible thing that they can uh, grab, whether in the store or online and really be a part of the brand, even in a smaller way that's not tied directly to the apparel. Got it. And it is is that only available like in the stores or is that sent mailed out to customers or how does that all work? Yeah. So right now it, it, it's available in stores as well as uh, online. But I, I think the idea for us is we'll grow the distribution of that in a different way, right? Sort of how magazines grow and get that in different markets, get that in different retailers, a product that re- really we want to see the light of day. Like how much of it is repping Mad Happy as a brand? Like do you are you talking about products in there or sort of how, how are you able to ladder that into the business of being an apparel brand? Yeah, it's a good question. I think that there's nuance in, in how we do that. Of course, like it has the feel of the brand. Uh, some of the product may, may be featured in there, but I think broadly for us, it's like a piece to what we're doing 
on the marketing side. I think it's like a passion project in any way, in many ways for us. And I think we've enjoyed doing this as an outlet. And then of course, working with those different artists and musicians in different ways with the brand as well. So I, I think that it just creates an extra touch point for the brand that's been exciting. I don't know. I'm always so fascinated. There have been a few different brands who have done magazines and it makes a lot of sense as just having, I don't know, magazines are have a very specific place in in people's minds as like a very, uh, I guess you could say precious or premium object, but sometimes brands will start them and then we'll forget about them and I'll look into them. And they stopped like how, like how do you want this to be a part of the long term of mad happy or what, what are your thoughts on having this type of product? Totally. It's such a good question. You know, I think it's our, because it's our first time doing it. We're still learning a lot, right? Like how many issues can we really do a year with everything else we have going on? Just being very like realistic with ourselves about those things. Uh, because I think the idea is it will always live on, like how many issues and those sorts of things we'll still figure out, but it does feel like a great part of what we're doing and a, and a byproduct of everything we were already working on anyways. And so it's an exciting piece for us. Now that you're opening up this flagship, should we be hearing about more permanent storefronts down the line or sort of what are you thinking about as it, as it relates to physical retail? Yeah, we we're strong believers in physical retail. And so Definitely that's something you could expect from us more uh, sort of around the U.S. and then in key markets overseas as well. And we'll continue doing the seasonal stuff as well because that's always always will be a part of what we're doing and a really fun area that we really like to explore and we feel like we excel at. So a bit of both, but definitely big on physical for us. Got it. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I imagine the majority of your sales come from online, right? Yeah, definitely. And, and again, I think like to build a healthy long-term business that continues to grow and 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 building the brand in the right way, I think these adding these touch points and building not only an e-com business is super important. And so we've learned that through the seasonal stores and we'll continue to hone that in with the permanent stores. Do you have like a target, you know, a couple of years down the line, let's say you have some permanent stores, you're still doing the seasonal stores, you've expanded to a few new markets. Would you ever, do you think you'd ever get to like a 50-50 online, offline? Or do, what are your thoughts in terms of targets for, for ideal revenue mix? I think we've thought a bit about this. I, I don't know if it'll ever be at 50-50 just in the way that we're thinking about retail, right? Like we, we really like sort of this flagship concept versus having 100 stores in the US per se, right? So you'd really need to open up a large volume of stores to, to kind of make up that 50-50 mix. But I think in the 70-30, 75-25, something like that feels good to us uh, and, and and feels pretty healthy as well. Got it, got it. Well, we're just about running out of time, but... Um, Wanted to just get into some of your plans. It sounds like the store is probably the number one big project on on your horizon right now. But are, is there anything else we should be be hearing about in the coming months, or anything else you're thinking about? Well, yeah, I think when whenever people listen to this, it'll be it'll be good because that'll mean hopefully the store open. But uh, but uh, you know, I think I think for us, uh, you know, six and a half years, we we realize how long it takes to build a brand. It still feels like very much the early days, and so. We're trying to make the right decisions for the long term in terms of the partners that we're working with in these over overseas markets uh, like Japan that we mentioned and some others that we're working on, some of these wholesale partners and shop and shops that we'll launch next year, as well as some of these partnerships internally with the collabs and, and things we'll be doing domestically that we're really excited about. So definitely a lot coming and, and we're really, really excited about it. Got it. Well, Payman, this has been a great conversation. Thanks for joining. Thanks so much, Kale. 
And thank you for listening to this episode of the Modern Retail Podcast, a show by Digiday. If you haven't already, please do subscribe and send this podcast over to a friend who you know would enjoy it. See you next week.